Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. How's your uh, days going this week there, Derek? Uh, back to work. It's uh, It was great being off for like, I think I was off for three weeks. Four months, five months, six months. <laughs> I was off for a long time. But, you know, back to the grind. It's, it's good to be back to work, though. It uh, gives me a chance to get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you got the little kids at home. Uh, I know. Holidays, family and friends. And well, the last week of vacation, it was uh, the kids were all back in uh, in school, daycare and whatever. So uh, I have the week to myself so that I can get caught up on all my <laughs> all my things that I'm supposed to be doing, like finishing the stairs in the basement and stuff. Oh, so work. Yes, work. Uh, yeah. The old honeydew list. Well, I make up the list, but I guess you could call it a honeydew list. Oh, just stuff you want to get done. It doesn't matter yeah. what she wants done. Is that what you're saying? Derek? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying, Derek? Uh, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what she wants? <laughs> Her stuff is always taken care of. I finally get to take care of my stuff. Yeah, I, I hear you. I got a couple of those lists going around too. It's just every time you turn around, there's always something new to add to it. And uh, hey, it's when your kids get older, yeah, the list just gets bigger. <laughs> Trust me. Yep, I know. So um, well, let's see. Yeah, I guess there's nothing really new my way. I'm just uh, still going about work and done my holidays already ages ago and back to work and things are just back to routine, I guess. Back to the grind. Yeah. January, new year, getting ready for paddling season to start soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not soon, but <laughs> one can always hope. One can always dream. There must be paddling shows coming up soon, eh? Starting in February. Starting in February. So yeah, it's a month, month and a, well, almost two months because it's the end of February, right? That's something to look forward to. Yeah, it is. So, um, I want to talk about something this week. You have a daughter. I do. And she's how old now? She is six and a half. Six and a half. Six and three quarters. And I have a daughter that is now 18 and a half and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's always been the thing you always tell your kids they can grow up to be what they want to be and do what they want to do. And I've been looking on the internet quite a bit for, I mean, when we're researching projects and there's been something that's been recurring Every time I, I go looking for new new um, subjects and topics for the week. And one of them is to deal with women and paddling. Yes. And I, I really take heart to it because, from my own experience, my daughter telling her, you can do what you want to do. You can go out and you can do this. And the fact that she loves to get out in the canoe trips with me and, you know, go camping and paddling and, and the whole deal. But it's... Something to see women out there taking it way beyond just a regular canoe trip. And there's, every time I start researching different, different topics, there's always these ones that keep popping up and every week it seems there's more and more and more. And it's women doing these massive expeditions that you really wouldn't think of doing. And and this is something that, I wouldn't normally have come across. I wouldn't have normally noticed. But in in our combined efforts to research stuff for the show, it's it keeps popping up. And I'm not finding any stories of epic trips by guys. Mike Ranta. Yeah, just Mike Ranta. He did Ranta. the cr- cross Canada thing, right? There's that guy who was going to go to Mexico, but he quit. Yeah, yeah. He was paddling from New York down to Mexico, and uh, he, he gave in up. Towel. And yeah, he threw that. He threw up there, and uh, or threw up there. <laughs> <laughs> threw in the Thrown up. I don't know. I wasn't there, but. Uh, he threw in the towel and gave up. But there's a large number of groups and we keep, every day we come across another one and, and it's just, it, I find it amazing and and uh, inspiring that there's these women out there doing these and it's trips that I could would not even consider doing. Like they're of such difficulty and time and effort that I, I don't think I'm capable of doing these trips. Well, and it's funny that you say inspiring because a lot of them, that's exactly what they're trying to do is inspire young women to yes. show them. Like, this isn't just a man's sport here. Yes. Like, women are out there doing this. If you think you can do something like this, then there's nothing holding you back but yourself. And that's impressive too. Like, it was part of what you said is, it, and what we both just said, it's inspiring and they're, they're inspiring other women to do these things. It, what I've noticed is that 
like, uh, for example, Mike Grant, he did it to benefit uh, the veterans up in Thunder Bay or something. Atacokan, yeah. Atacokan. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, but women are creating, doing these trips and creating organizations to inspire the next generation of women to get into paddling and do something outside of your comfort zone, something to challenge the individuals. So they're creating something above and beyond themselves. Yeah. To help the greater good. And as well, doing these hugely challenging expedition-like trips. Well, there's, just to start out small, uh, when I was at the uh, Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show last year, I came across Wild Women Expeditions. And they're a group that, women only, trips, uh, canoe, kayaking. They have like three-day trips to Algonquin Park, Killarney, uh, five days in Tomogamy and then women paddling skills retreats for three days. Okay. And then when you get into the kayaking, Baja kayak and whale adventures, Georgian Bay kayak and yoga, British Columbia for six days and Killarney Shores kayak adventure for six days. I mean, they're going, you know, for a week and it's geared strictly towards women, women that never would have thought about getting out there and doing stuff like this. Yeah. Right, which is really cool. Um, I mean, I've even shown my wife the the pamphlets and that, and said, you know what, like, would this be something you're interested in? And she's looking at it, going like, I would have never thought of doing that. <laughs> wow, <laughs> take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and it's yeah, there's more and more things like this popping up, and it's geared towards getting women out there, which is really cool. Um, then you get which we've talked about, Tracy Lynn Martin. She's looking to attempt to set the world record for the farthest documented nonstop paddling trip by kayak in one year. Uh, she's the one we talked a few shows ago, 8,600 miles, all five Great Lakes, the St. Lawrence Seaway, around Nova Scotia, down the coast to New York, uh, through the Hudson River to the Erie Canal and back up through the Great Lakes to Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. It, it is huge. And it's not like she's single or anything. She's got a family. Yeah. Right, she's, she's got, got kids. a job. She's got a kid. Uh, yeah, it's it's mind boggling. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know what? And it's it's really nice to see stuff like that because it is sort you know when, when you when you let your daughters know that you know look, this isn't something you know yet you're just going out with your friends for a weekend. If you want to take this farther, and I mean you also look at the the athletes that do the kayaking and stuff. Um, the the white water and all that yep. and, and going through the Olympics mm-hmm. and, and the extreme games and all that is more and more and more and more, right? Mm-hmm. And they're out there. You get, um, there was two women, uh, Lisa Pugh and Alice, I got to say, Quincy? Quins- Quinsley. Um, 3,902 miles, six months of paddling. They just did it this past year. Started in... May, May 11th. of 2016 and finished in November. Yep. Um, fourth longest river system in the world. And down through, what, they started in Montana? East central Idaho. Idaho. Into Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, a little bit of Idaho. Uh, was it uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi? Louisiana, Gulf of Mexico. It's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, southwestern Montana. They were the Missouri River, headwaters of the Jefferson River, the Brower Springs. Uh, 100 days, they followed the upper Missouri from Three Forks, Montana to Yank- Yankton, South Dakota. Uh, they say, <laughs> yeah, 100 degree heat. Yeah. Bugs, sleepless nights. It's crazy. Storms that drove them off the water and hammered their camps. Like... This isn't stuff you'd think, uh, you know, when you start thinking about the, you know, the modern housewife or even not modern housewife anymore. Just back in the day, you'd be thinking about, oh yeah, you know, they're, they're not going to get out too much. They're going out with their friends shopping and stuff. Yeah. Well, these aren't the going to the mall to shop with their friends sort of deal, right? Yeah, these aren't millennials. These are, these are very hardy and strong and mentally strong women. They, uh, it's impressive. It really is. And they, they paddled the final leg of the Mississippi River into the Gulf of Mexico and became the first all-female canoe expedition to complete that route. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Yep. Like, 
3,900 miles. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, like I say, you point this out to the women or to your daughters as well and say like, women can do this. I don't, I don't know too many men that could do this. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, there's guys that would be trying this and giving up. I'd give up. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm not as uh, hardy stuff. I'm just thinking of it. <laughs> then we get, <laughs> um, I don't know, there, I got two other examples here and I don't know which one to actually start with because they're both rather impressive. Mind-boggling, really. There's six women, 60 days, six rivers, 60 degrees north. Oh, yes. Paddling, exp- a women's paddling expedition to the Arctic. They're calling it six north of 60. Uh, in June 2017, six women will embark on a canoe ex- expedition to the Arctic Ocean. Uh, 1,200 kilometers from Mackenzie Mountains in Canada's Northwest Territories to Nunavut's Coronation Gulf via the Keel River, Great Bear Lake, and Coppermine River. I mean... <laughs> I don't even know how you come up with a route like this. Like, well, what do, you, do, you, do you search for crazy trips? Uh, something that will kill me? Like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like, you, you go through... Uh, you go through the uh, the trip that these these uh, six north of sixty are going to do, and uh, it's just it defies logic the the difficulty of the trip. Like you're talking, what the one of the first uphill legs they have to do is uh, seventy four. Now they say miles, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if because they're in Canada, I wonder if they're just sticking with miles or well, twelve hundred kilometers are saying. So, but they keep mixing up their miles and their kilometers. Yeah. So it, it, I found it a little confusing. So I'm not sure which is which. But anyways, they have to go about 74 miles up river to get to Great Bear Lake. Mm-hmm. That's that's exceedingly difficult. Yeah. Well, the route is the Keel River, Mackenzie River, Great Bear River, Great Bear Lake, yes. Sloan River, Hook River, which there may not even be water in at the time they get there. I know. <laughs> and then in the, the Coppermine River, um, out into the Arctic Ocean. So, yeah, and yeah, and they, they do mix it up. And they're they're talking about twenty days on Great Bear Lake, traveling two hundred and forty five miles. I mean, Great Bear Lake, Canada's biggest uh, inland lake, and the eighth largest lake in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Take a look on Google Map Maps, guys. This is a big lake, and they're going to be crossing a good portion of it. Yeah, uh, down through the Mackenzie River Valley, three days on the Mackenzie River, 60 miles to arrive at the confluence of the Great Bear River. Um, then up there, up the upstream to Great Bear Lake, uh, upstream again to this up the Sloan River. From there, they hope this. <laughs> that's what they say. They hope to find water in the Hook River. <laughs> hey, hopefully there'll be water there. Yeah, yeah, because they're getting that's there. That's a long portage otherwise. <laughs> I know. Like they're they're planning on getting there late in the season when when uh, majority of summers, if it's a dry summer, that that river m- will most likely be very low or dry. Yeah. Uh, and then from there into the copper mine. Uh, from the copper mine, they end up in the Arctic Ocean's Coronation Gulf. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, they show a little... Uh, maps and stuff that you can you can follow that like check it out on google and that's quite the ambitious uh route it previous they want to be the first to paddle the previously unconnected route yes again it's not something that i'd be thinking of doing no and, and w- when i saw the route and i wa- and i kind of walked myself through the route i'm thinking like who is going to voluntarily do this? And that's when you pointed out to me that you could actually go to their website, click on their picture and mm-hmm. it gives them their background. So you read their backgrounds. I'm not going to go through any of it here, but if you guys want to bother, you go to six north of 60 and you go to who we are, click on the picture and it gives all their backgrounds. These women have extensive backgrounds in outdoors, paddling and guiding and, and extensive first aid, aid, like uh, wilderness first aid and, and all these things. And so these are highly qualified women. This is not, they're not lightly taking this trip. They, they, these are experienced women who are used to these kind of traveling. So it's, uh, it's, it's impressive. But again, it it shows young women that if they can do it, then anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. You know, there, there's no reason that. You know, it's just, oh, well, this is what they do. 
Well, they started out like everybody else. A young girl yeah. who picked up a paddle one day. Well, you know, this is going to be inspiring to men and women. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like I say, they're really out there to empower and inspire girls, uh, helping them to see what women are truly capable of anything. Yes. What group did they open? They're, they're, uh, they named it something that they're going to create a program. Um, was it them that were doing that or the other ones? I know they're, they're, uh, oh, the I, LDAC. IDAC. LDAC. LDAC. Um, program. And that's at, uh, the Ogichi camp that uh, it looks like a couple of them had actually gone to. Um, but yeah, if you go to six north of 60 and this, the six is the number six, mm-hmm. uh, north of six zero, uh, dot O-R-G. And you can find out a lot more about the, the team and what they're, um, hoping to set up afterwards in the support and what they're, they're looking to raise some money for it as well. But uh, when you're looking at all of these, these groups that are going out and stuff, it's pretty amazing what they're doing. Yeah. And it, and it's also the logistics are very well planned. These yep. women, they're not taking it lightly. They've researched it. They've planned for extensive, they did a lot of extensive planning. So it's, it's not a flight of fancy. These women know what they're getting into. They're prepared for what they're getting into. And it's impressive to see anybody do anything like this of, of this level. The last example that I've come across, and I mean, the last one we're going to talk about today, because I came across, I've come across a lot of examples, um, is quite the doozy. This one was just announced. Yeah. Freya Hoffmeister. Now we've talked about her before. We've talked about her before. She's the one that did the circumnavigation of Australia in 2009. She did... South America, all yep. around South America, 15,828. Yeah. Uh, over four years, five years. Yeah. Um, six different stages. She went all around South America. She's paddled around Iceland and around New Zealand's South Island, both in record time. I think she did Ireland too, didn't she? She just did Ireland. Um, Sort of as a, yeah, it took a 43 days, 1500 mile <laughs> test run. 1500 mile test run. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a warm up. To, to gauge her motivation, they say, uh, to see if she's still up for another big, big adventure. Yeah. So, I mean, seeing what she's done already. Well, the latest is she is going to circumnavigate North America. Yeah. Now think about that for think a second. Think about North America. <laughs> Just look, picture so, the map in your head. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see the East Coast and I can see the West Coast doing down it in a Florida, kayak. Down through Florida, down through. And the, the, those alone are challenging, very challenging, especially the West Coast. Like mm-hmm. the East Coast, there's certain seasons where you could avoid certain storms. But then you think, well, the South and the North, if you're going to circumnavigate, you got to go through the South. Well, that's that's the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. And it's not a very safe place. No. <laughs> and so, you know, there's, and there's the risks of anybody of going through that area. And then you think of the north end of that loop. The Northwest Passage, <laughs> which is frozen most of the year. Yes. So there's a, a I think a six week window or less. It, the, the window is getting bigger and bigger as, as yeah. global warming occurs. And, and the passage is low. There was clear for the first time five years ago. So I think it was five years or whatever. If, anyway, if so you time it right and you luck to, is on your side. And, and you're traveling at a higher enough rate of speed. Yeah. Um, so she will be leaving now it's, it's, they explain how she's going to do it in two semicircles where she leaves Seattle by, by the sounds of what they're explaining. She'll leave Seattle, head south through the Panama Canal and then all the way up north and then York, New York. And then she'll leave Seattle and head north in another sort of semicircle through the Northwest Passage across Hudson's Bay down and around the East Coast and arrive back in New York. Yeah. They say she leaves Seattle twice and she arrives in New York twice. Yeah. 
and there, she'll be doing it in stages because obviously you couldn't do all this in one go because yep. she I think they figure that she's going to take uh, at least two summers to do the Northwest Passage just yep. because of time. She's she's not she can't travel that fast in a kayak. 30,000 miles <laughs> over the next 8 to 10 years yeah. paddling in stages of 3 to 5 months. Like you you got to have sponsors like I don't know, maybe she's independently wealthy, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's more money I got. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that she's got a lot of sponsors. I mean, you look at the last kayak she had, and there were sponsors' names all around it, Mm -hmm. right? But it's it's pretty cool (laughs) just looking at the route. Yes. Uh, Coastline of 10 countries, including the United States, Canada, Mexico, and seven Central American nations. That's incredible. Wow. Like, <laughs> okay, honey, I'll see you in 10 years. <laughs> like, that's that's just something. Um, yeah, the, the Hudson's Bay crossing, uh, Panama Canal. And they're talking the hazards include the thousands of miles of exposed coastline, tides, storms, shipping lanes, uh, big exposed crossings. Yeah. She's going to have to be island hopping when she's going across the top of the Hudson's Bay. Absolutely, yeah. Right? You got the the, the cold up there. Polar bears. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, that, that's a huge danger in itself because yeah. polar bears prey on humans. Like, humans are food source. Yep. Um, but, yeah, the the biggest issue she's going to face, though, is the northern the northern, northern side yeah. with with the freezing. Yes, absolutely. You know, that that may end up making it's things the, faster or slower for the her. The cold, the water's cold, it's the risk of exposure, the the unpredictable weather, the unpredictable ice flows. You know, and you know, polar bears, it's so that I I would say that would be the riskiest part. Yeah. And and I was earlier when we were talking about this and when I was reading through some of the stuff that she's planned, I was thinking just to stay motivated for that long a period of time. But then I started thinking, well, actually, she's already been doing this for about 10 years. You know, the circumnavigation of Australia and South America and Ireland and Iceland. And so she's, this is not anything out of her norm. She's already constantly paddling. This is what she does. So yeah, she circumnavigated Ireland as a warm up to test her interest. But this is also something that, she's used to this is what she does as a routine thing yeah and she's really now the big kicker about this this one what'll, what'll get you i mean at one point you're you're trying to tell your daughters look if she can do this <laughs> you can do this as well she's just you know just somebody that's picked it up she was a former miss germany contestant yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, she can go from that to that. I know. Because it's, you think of a Miss Germany contestant, a beauty pageant contestant, and it's like, well, you think them as soft. She is not a soft woman. She's, she is uh, of hardier stock than, than one would think, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's like mental fortitude, physical genetics. Like she's, she's got it going that she is, has the capability to do this type of thing. Well, and like I say, when you start looking at all these women that are out there doing these trips and massive expeditions, you know, and they're putting together stuff right from the get-go, like from from an idea to actually finishing six months of paddling or 10 years of paddling or, you know, un- previously undone routes, it really shows to young girls Mm-hmm. Anything's possible. And the young boys. Yeah. Pick up a paddle. Yes. Get out there and and do it. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. She is, she's pure inspiration. Really is. All of them are. All of them are. So uh, def- definitely check out Freya Hoffmeister. Check out six of 60. Um, six north of six 60. Six north of 60 dot O-R-G. Yeah. And don't forget to check out Tracy Lynn Martin. And check out Wild Women Expeditions, especially if you're looking, think something like this would be interesting to you, um, to, to the women that are listening, check them out and hook up with for a, a canoe trip or a kayak uh, trip with them. Give it a whirl and maybe next year you'll be going around Iceland maybe you'll, or... Maybe you'll find your inspiration. You just might. 
Let's take a quick break here and we'll be back and I want to talk kayaking. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. And welcome back. Uh, Derek, I was doing some research on some stuff and just looking at some kayaks and, and whatnot. Because, and, you know, I, I contemplated getting a kayak. I don't know that I will, but if I do get one, I'd be more along the lines. I really like the looks of some of the big sea, sea kayaks. kayaks. Yes. You I've, know? I've thought about the same. It's such a specialty item and I don't think I could ever justify it because I don't think I would use it enough. I think I would use it more if I was doing canoe trips with Groups. an odd number of you, people. Yes. So right, yeah. you could people yeah. could take a turn Precisely, in the yeah. kayak, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, then you're getting into the portage with the kayak and stuff like that as well. And you take your, but I mean, that goes into last week's show where we're talking about making taking time on the portages, mm-hmm. which that definitely would make you do. What was the canoe store we went when we saw the Oru kayak? The uh, Complete Paddler. Complete Paddler. Yeah. We saw that uh, portaging yoke yeah. for the kayak. Yeah. That was, I'd like to try that. Yeah. I've seen different versions over the years of yokes for portaging kayaks. And, and you don't get into, because kayaks are not really a portaging yeah. travel means. Kayakcamper.com. Yes. And we so did, he does yeah. it, but it's pretty rare. It's yeah. pretty rare for, yeah. for the most part, if you're going to be camping or doing any long trips in kayaks, you're in like Georgian Bay or Vancouver Island, where it's just, it's all water. It's all water. Yes. Yeah. So in my research, you're finding, I was finding there's two basic types of canoes. You got your kayaks. sea kayak, or sorry, kayaks. Uh, you got your sea kayaks. You got your recreational kayaks. Yes. Which most people, I think, in our area have just the recreational kind. Yeah, it's just because of, of the way it's used. Like, yeah. you don't... The rivers and white water yeah. and stuff like that. So it's got a bigger opening. It's got, uh, you know, more stability. People are just people are just doing an afternoon trip. They're just going to go for two hours down the lakeshore right, type yeah. thing. Well, and that's one of the things when they're describing the differences between uh, the sea kayaks and the recreational kayaks is... The sea kayaks have this spray skirt around you. Yes. So you sit in it. There's a spray skirt around you to keep all the water out. Mm-hmm. A recreational kayak doesn't have that. There's a bigger opening and water is going to get in. You can still get a skirt for them, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, but and that's what they're saying. With the recreational ones, they will have a sufficient flotation to keep the boat afloat if you flip. Yes. And it fills with water. Yes. Whereas the sea kayak, not so much. Yeah. That's with, what the spray kayak, the spray skirt is for. Exactly. To keep that water out. And with the recreational kayak, you tend not to have bulkheads. Mm-hmm. And with a sea kayak, you have bulkheads, that compartmental bulkheads. So you have a, a gear stowage up front, gear stowage at back. So if you flip it and fill it with water, your gear areas don't, get wet. Right. They still stay sealed. Just you, your compartment gets wet. But I think I would be more partial to the sea kayak route because I love doing my canoe trips and stuff like that and going the long distances. This would be something that, like you say, you could start on one of the Great Lakes and paddle up and around and you're not having to portage. Big chunks mm-hmm. of water. Yeah. Taking to the East Coast, West Coast, down South somewhere. Um, and yeah, you're not planning on staying on inland Lakes and rivers. Yeah. Sort of sort of things, right? Or, or smaller lakes and rivers. If I, for bigger expanse stuff. And that would go fit 
along the routes of the canoe tripping that I like because it's longer periods, a mm-hmm. lot of travel. Oh, absolutely, yes. Right? So I think that's that's the route I would I would definitely go with. When I've thought about kayaking, I, I've done some sea kayaking when I lived out on Vancouver Island. And when I've thought about areas that I've liked to have gone in, and I've friends of mine who have gone, is uh, like like I say, I've been out in Vancouver Island. There's, there's unlimited amounts of area to to trip and travel and camp and use sea kayaks but other than that there was a an area i'd love to go is georgian bay mm-hmm. that area or kingston thousand islands gananoque as well down st lawrence river st lawrence seaway the uh the uh, Mag- gas bay peninsula gas bay, and all that magdalene islands yep. Like that is such a beautiful area. Can you imagine doing down along Newfoundland or Magdalene Islands or any number of areas down there. It's just the the rocky shorelines is just unbelievably beautiful. It's so so majestic. It's it, it's amazing to see by car, and I'd love to do it by sea kayak someday. Well, and that was the big sort of thing I took from when I'm doing my research was the differences between your river lake kayaking and for lack of a better well your sea kayaking mm-hmm. the the differences are like huge i mean you're sitting there on on a lake and you're going around a lake or down a river it's not you know it's, it's deep but yeah you know um you get some waves or you get some rain and stuff like that but when you're out on the ocean they're not little waves. <laughs> no. But and they also you've got like killer whales and <laughs> <laughs> there's that. Sharks. <laughs> All the good stuff. Yeah. I I've never been afraid of a of a of a trout or a <laughs> <Yeah>. salmon. <laughs> that salmon's gonna get you. Doo 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 but and that's where leeches that's yes <laughs> massive leech it was like three centimeters long <laughs> it was three inches between the eyes yeah <laughs> but that's where like when you talk about these big big water like open water mm-hmm. and that's where the sea kayaks come in pl- into play like for recreational kayaks you're talking day paddlers you, you don't there's no real area room to stow stuff you have a a, a a recreational kayak is is wider for stability. It's a lot shorter. They tend to only be about twelve feet, eleven feet mm-hmm. long. So they're just like, and even this includes sit on tops too. Yeah. So that you're just going out fishing. You're going out for an afternoon. You're just it's like going for a quick hike on a Sunday afternoon. You're just going for a quick paddle, and, and that that's their purpose built for that, right? Yeah, they're limited. Yes. Whereas the the sixteen, seventeen, eighteen foot sea kayaks. Those things are epic trippers. Yeah. And and they gives you the stowage room, the the waterproofness to keep yourself afloat. And, you know, some of the newer ones have either built-in uh, uh, hand pumps or you just stow a hand pump on the upper deck. And it's the, the, it's the more purpose-built for big water, big waves. And, you know, if you're, if you're out in big water, they tend to be rolls as opposed to waves. Yes. Yeah. So you're going up you don't and have, over them, yeah. up and over them. And it just stopped to get me seasick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just started thinking about that and thinking, you know what you get, I mean, and like I said, I relate it to the canoeing, right? Where, yeah, you're just going across a lake and you're fighting the waves and you're fighting the wind. And then you're in a little river, you're going down a river, a nice lazy, yeah, you yeah. know, drift with, with the, the current flow. sort of thing yeah. and that. But the the sea kayak takes you to a completely different world. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you're out off a coast, uh, you're not off a shore. Yeah. You're off a coast. Exactly. Sort of thing, you know. And that's where I really find the the attraction mm-hmm. of a sea kayak. It changes everything. It does. If you drop something on a river... You might put on a set of goggles and go out and get your sunglasses or whatever. You drop something while in the ocean. <laughs> Strap on the scuba tank. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you have, if you've stowed away some scuba gear. <laughs> um, it's gone forever. <laughs> safety is an, is a biggie. Yes. And if you're out on the ocean 
And all of a sudden the tides change. The, oh, absolutely. A storm comes in. And you hear stories You're, about it all the time. Well, we're, we're, I was following a story about the uh, Oru kayak, the folding kayak. And the, a couple guys were out going uh, to the Catalina Islands. Okay. And the weather changed, unbeknownst to them. And all of a sudden the winds started pushing them. And next thing you know, they're like six miles off course. Yeah. And near the late afternoon, they had to be making a phone call or a, a radio call to the Coast Guard to now, come and get them because they, they knew they weren't getting back to shore. Good for them for having the forethought of having some method of communication because you can't rely on a cell phone. So they no. must have had, what, a radio VH, or... Chef, ra- it, v- VHF, VHF? VHF, yeah. Yeah, radio. you can get, yeah, you can get yep. C-going VHF radios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, VH, yeah, I'm sure it was VHF, yeah. not UHF. Uh, but yeah, so they called the Coast Guard and said, hey, like... We're stuck. <laughs> we're stuck here. We're, we're not getting back to shore because they were fighting and fighting mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, weren't. Now, if you were on a lake, you just blew you the other side of the lake. <laughs> exactly. And you're, okay, well, I guess I'm stuck here for the yeah, night. Yeah, I'll circle so, the lake. Yeah, I'll walk around the lake or paddle slowly around the yeah. lake sort of thing, right? Yeah. Huge difference. Exactly. Because if you're on a lake, you can pull ashore if it gets nighttime. Well, cover yourself in moss and hope you don't freeze or whatever. Depending but on the time of year, if yeah. If you're out in the ocean, Catalina Islands, and if you... Like, you can't just sleep in a kayak at night for the risk of rolling over. Well, that, and it keeps blowing you out to sea. Yeah. You, you can, know, you're not reaching the other shore till yeah. you're in England. I was at sea for <laughs> 76 days. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's hugely different. Yeah. Um, and, and as we say with the, you get you get waves, maybe two, three foot waves on a lake, but you get out in that ocean. Yeah, those you, are massive. You're talking rollers and meter, troughs and, meter high. Yeah, like you know, it, it, depending on what kind of storms coming in, you could get a 15 meter rollers coming in, and so you're surfing and. <laughs> oh, you man. wouldn't want to be there, man. No, you know, so you're you're starting to look at that sort of thing as well. And again, like I say, we joke about it. You, you get the the killer whales and the yes. sharks and depending where you are, but. And we've all uh, seen the videos of. The know, whales jumping and landing <laughs> on the one kayak, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's total, total different world where, now the only thing I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure of is if it's a nice day and you're paddling along on, on across the coast and stuff yeah. like that. But when you get those coastlines that are all rocks and the waves are coming exactly. up and stuff, like you've got to be out pretty far, I you, would think. Exactly. So if you want to avoid being smashed against the rocks, you have to have some distance from shore. You have some tidal, tidal bores. You, like, who knows? You could get, you might hit a tidal bore, uh, like a, a river running into the ocean or something and get washed out to sea. There's, and there's, exposure risks like uh up around vancouver island the uh summer and winter temperature of the ocean is is only a few degrees apart but it's basically three degrees through four degrees year round right right unless you get some inland waterways where the the sun can warm it up but the ocean is a pretty constant temperature you know you get the el nino and stuff like that but regardless it's water is cold out there and so if you are if you're going to be paddling around in exposed waters you need a dry suit Yep, because something happens. in a dry suit on a hot day, so the water's three degrees, you fall in and you could die of exposure, so you got to have a dry suit on, but a dry suit is so hot on a hot day, so it could be 20, 20, 25 degrees in your kayak, but you have to have a dry suit because if you roll over, you you could die of exposure before you get ashore. Yeah, yeah, it's... You kind of stuck there, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a it's a tough thing, right? Because like it's cold water. Like it's not like uh, lake travel where you know you get 15, 20 degree water in the middle of summer. It's it, ocean water is it's big water, it's deep water, it's the risks are so much higher. It's it's just something that you have to constantly think about. Like you have to think about dry suit. Uh, survival gear, life jacket, communication gear. Like you, you have to plan. You have to actually plan for a trip. You can't just on a lark go out for the afternoon unless you're in enclosed water. Like if you're going to stay near shore and you're on the inside of the uh, some island on, like say Vancouver Island, where the where you only have some slight tidal changes, then maybe go through Johnson Strait or yeah, something. stuff like that. Then then the risks are mitigated, but you know it's it the water's still cold. Yeah. Uh, and then when you get down farther south, you know, you're going through Mexico and stuff like that. So that's different. You get nice warm water. You get water. nice warm water yeah. down there. But, uh, 
you know, the, the thing with there is you're, you're following all that coastline down there and start to lose track of time, I think. Yes. You know? Yeah, well, easily, well, right? And that's, that's the other thing, time. When you're in a recreational kayak, you're out for the afternoon, you get in and out, in and out, in and yeah. out. But when you're in a sea kayak going for, I don't know, however many hours in a day. You might cross and from a point to another point, it might take you three hours. And you're sitting in one position. Yes. Like, it's not like in a canoe or something where you can move your legs one way and tuck yeah. a leg under and switch and, and, exactly. and everything like that. You're stuck sitting in, in that one position yeah. all... And you got to get pretty used to doing that before you make the big trips. Yeah. Now think about it. You're, you're on a canoe trip, portaging, you're checking out campsites or whatever. You got to go pee. You go pee in the bushes. If you're in a sea kayak and you're like, you do a traverse from say a point to a point and it's like a three hour traverse. Hopefully like, you pee before you left. Exactly. So there's a, there's a serious concern. <laughs> I'm not stopping this till we get there. <laughs> you know, and suddenly I was like, oh, <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's like, so there, there's, it, it's, it, pros depending. Pros and cons. There's pros and cons. Like chances are you're going to plan a trip like on the inside passage or something, Vancouver. And I keep going back to Vancouver. This is what I'm familiar with. Yeah. So you've got a lot of islands and you're not going like, to be exposed to too much open water. But if you... We're doing a coastline traverse and, and so it's a rough coastline. It's like, am I going to find a, a beach that I can land on so I can go pee before, you know, I, I have to go pee in my dry suit? Yeah. And you're looking at, like I say, if you're looking at really rocky territory, coastline. It could be very risky to come ashore. It could be very risky to come ashore. So, so by the sounds of it, not only do I need a canoe. I need a recreational kayak and a sea kayak. Yeah. Right? And uh, <laughs> this is starting to get expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know what? Looking at, at all the, the the things I like to do with the canoe, um, I don't know I could see myself with a recreational kayak. I think I would see myself with a sea kayak. Oh, and, ditto. And I would be hitting, yeah. I mean, I'd be hitting... Lake Ontario and cruising to Toronto and back and, you yep. know. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think I would ever cross straight across Lake Ontario. It's a long way across the Rochester. It, uh, yeah. Well, St. Catharines is right across. And, yeah. Right. But I think I could probably go down towards Kingston and cross over by Gananoque Way yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a shorter trip. It's, mm-hmm. it's close it would be across, interesting, right? wouldn't it? You have to go through customs. You pull into a foreign, uh, an American port and do your customs thing. And you can't just show up over there. You got to. I can. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> um, well, yeah, look at the guy that, that did the uh, wire walk across yes. the Niagara Gorge. Yeah. You had to make sure he had his passport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know the. Uh, <laughs> he could have switched somewhere along the way. <laughs> Just following this off Crafty. topic, following, <laughs> following along this off topic thing, do you, you know, the float your fanny down the Ganny and all these floating float trips? Float your fanny down the Ganny. So yeah. there's a floating trip that is in near Windsor in one of the rivers. Yes. And there was like 80 Americans that were doing this float down the river and they got blown across the river and 80 of them ended up on the Canadian side in their bathing suits, no ID, mm-hmm. no passports, no nothing. And good good, good for the people that uh, helped them recover. They put them on buses and tripped them back over to the American side. But it was, uh, it's like, whoops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> 80 sudden, <laughs> sudden visitors are looking for customs and control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're uh, refugees heading to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> by boat people. By boat. Yeah. <laughs> by uh, rubber dinghy. So, um, no, but you know, yeah, I, I, because Gananoque has the big bridge. Yep. Right. We always cross the big bridge. It's, it's a cool thing to do. The Thousand Islands are there. And I don't know if you're touring across there. The border goes right down the middle. Does it not? There, it does. The lake? It does. The, 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 the river. It must cause a lot of headache for customs control. Like to. If someone's out for the day touring the islands, mm-hmm. they could be bopping back and forth across that you don't border know if 50 Canadian times. or American. You don't know who they are. It, well, it's when you land that customs come into play, right? Yeah. So, but you don't know who where they originated from, and and I think that's where I remember when I went to college in Cornwall, Ontario. Uh, we were right across from Messina, New York, 
And there was a lot of, uh, we heard about a lot of contraband crossing the river there. The, uh, it was common. It was, it was always in the paper about another drug bust here, another, another boat chase there. So in those tight rivers, I guess that's a, that's a concern and a risk. If you're a kayaker visiting amongst the Thousand Islands and you're sandwiched between the U.S. and Canada, it's, there, there's, there must be a lot of customs risks there. But they, I'm sure that they're used to it by now after all these years. I imagine, yeah. They probably got boats that zip up and down and I've never been contacted by anybody being anywhere in places like yeah. that. Um, stopped one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So yeah, I think uh, the sea kayak, like I say, when you're, it just boggles the mind sort of trying to differentiate how different it would be yeah. out on the ocean as compared to a lake that you're you're so used to lake travel. Exactly. And then you get out on this big ocean. And the risks are, I, I think what it is is familiarity. Like uh, a lot of my friends out, out West, they, they were a lot, they were trying to get me into it and they were very comfortable with the traveling amongst the islands mm-hmm. and the tidal bores and they, they were familiar with the risks and I wasn't. So it was a big monster to me and I was only just starting into it uh, by the time I moved out here to Ontario. But uh, I think it just, that's what it comes down to is familiarity. Like right now it's just a big mystery. It's like kind of this scary monster where you're thinking about, you know, killer whales and sharks and this, that, the other, right? <laughs> well, I just throw them in. The chances of, right? I mean, yeah. you go out now, you say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to whale watching and you never see a whale. Yes. Right? Yeah. What's the chance of in a, in a kayak as well? Yeah. But you know what, even with the, with the island hopping, you're, you're saying, you know, they're, they're in... In the in inland sort of thing, uh, down the straits, um, and they're they're hopping from island to island, staying in there. Yes, but I mean even that I would feel safer in there as to being out on the actual ocean, exposed, exposed, yeah, yeah. big exposed expanse of yeah. water. Yes, like that's got to be so unnerving to start with, and then knowing that, like like I say, they're not little waves coming across. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. these waves are going to be big troughs and, and and whatnot and and the even ship you gotta look out for ships and, exactly like shipping you know, traffic like the yeah. saint lawrence seaway like you're talking you could travel from new brunswick or or nova scotia to pei you could travel from from pei out to the magdalen islands or you can travel from nova scotia over to uh newfoundland these are huge distances yeah. Right. And, uh, like it takes hours with a, with a powered vessel, let alone a sea kayak, but people do it all the time. People will, I, I, for the majority, like the, a couple of friends of mine, uh, they've, when they took a car out to the Magdalene Islands and circled a portion of the Magdalene Islands, but I've had friends who have also gone and paddled from PEI out to the Magdalene Islands. And, and that's a big trip. Yeah. That's a big, big trip. Like you're starting and if something at the comes crack up, of dawn. Yeah. If, if there you know, was... I, I think about being, uh, you know, paddling down Opiongo, Lake Opiongo and Algonquin. Yeah. If all of a sudden the weather comes up, you've got somewhere to go. If yes. something unexpected, and it happens, something <laughs> unexpected comes up, the weather changes and you get back to shore and you say, that wasn't the forecast. And even the people, the, the gates are saying, exactly. we didn't see it coming. Yeah. So it happens. The risks what are there. What if you're way out in the middle of nowhere and something happens? Like that. They're out there though. I mean, that's a total new set of risks you're talking. Yeah. That's you huge. Know? And, and, and that's one of the things you have to be really prepared for mentally and equipment wise. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I think I would still enjoy trying out a sea kayak out on big water like that. Yes. I, I, I think yeah. I'd be right up for something like that. As much as we talk about the recreational kayaks, getting out and doing some river kayaking and white water and learning stuff like that, um, I'd be just as happy doing that sort of thing in a, co- in a canoe, you know, mm-hmm. like the white water canoe or something yeah. like that. But I think I would like to get in a sea kayak and cruise the coastline for like 10 days, mm-hmm. something like that, as opposed to, you know, just something around town, whatnot, you yeah. know, like, like a, a quick little go out from the dock, paddle around come back in two hours mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've been researching a lot about this and, and there's just something about a big, long 18 foot sea kayak, <laughs> nice wood one, yeah. you know, a few thousand dollars, 
I'll tell my wife it cost me a hundred dollars on Kijiji. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is, uh, what was what's, what's the joke? My biggest fear when I die is my wife sells all my stuff for what I told her I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll just take a quick break here and uh, back in a moment. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Well, Derek, that's the end of another episode. Yes, and it's filled with inspiration. You know what? It really is. And I'd like to say any women that are out there and just do the paddling and and are listening, take inspiration from these women that are going out there and doing these massive expeditions. No reason that you can't do the exact same thing. Or even on a smaller scale. Even on a smaller scale. Uh, Until next time, I'd just like to say you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, sometimes on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> and go to paddlingadventuresradio.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.